Hey, good morning, y'all. That came out totally wrong, but it's all good. My name's Dave. I'm the campus pastor here at uh, Good News Church World Golf Village, and I'm so glad each of you are here today. Listen, if you're here for the first time, welcome. We're so glad you've chosen to worship with us this morning. And in the seat backs in front of you, you'll notice a card, and it's at the top it says the Connect card. So if you're interested in connecting with us, we'd love for you to fill out the card with any information you're comfortable with giving us and leave it in one of the boxes in the back of the church as you, uh, of the auditorium as you leave. Now, you'll notice on the Connect card, there's a box that says, I'd like to have lunch with a pastor. And this is open to any of you, not just those who are new. If you'd like to have lunch, you know, you say, listen, there's no such thing as a free lunch. But there's people in here who will attest that this is true. There is. If you mark on your card that you'd like to have lunch, I'd love to take you to lunch, get to know more of who you are, and share more of what God's doing here at Good News Church in the World Golf Village area. Um, coming up in the life of the church, there's a couple things. Next week, I think, is the week that we move our clocks ahead, spring forward. And so we're going to welcome people uh, that week with a pajama party for our kids. And so love for you to bring your kids next week and invite some folks to come and worship with us. And then an exciting thing coming up is a women's tea. It's in May, and I just want you to mark your calendars for Saturday, May 13th. You say, May? That's like next year. Uh, no, it's just a few months away. It'll be here before you know it. But mark your calendar. It's a women's tea, May 13th, and we'll have lots more information for you in the weeks ahead. We've been looking at leadership in the church over these past weeks, and this week I want to introduce you to another one of our elders, Alex Acri. Good morning. Yeah. So, uh, Alex, how long have you served as an elder here at Good News? Uh, at Good News, uh, we've been members since 2011, and I've been serving on the elder board since summer of 2019. Yeah, so you're our longest-serving elder here from the World Golf Campus. That is correct. Yeah, thank you so much for serving the church. And as you've served as an elder, what's something you've learned about yourself, and, and what's something you've learned about God during that time? Uh, I'd say for me, it's... Uh, just seeing in myself how much I try to rely on my own abilities mm. um, in pretty much all situations <laughs> instead of really turning to Christ and trusting mm. in him uh, yeah. in those situations. Mm. And for God, um, it's been his calling to, uh, for us to, to pray. Uh, throughout the Bible, it really tells us and teaches us uh, that we should pray continuously um, really in all things and it's not really just our own needs and desires but it's building a relationship uh, with him through christ built on faith and trust and um it's really taught me how to pray and to to really pray um continuously. uh the elders and i get together every friday morning and we pray for you and for the church and for one another and and that's been a real highlight of the last two years in my life is getting together with you guys to pray on friday mornings and um what's been amazing you about jesus recently um it's for me it's uh, it's really been the past several weeks as we as we have been reading uh, through the Gospels in the New Testament, as well as uh, reading through the books of Moses in the Old Testament. Um, it is just reading them together. It has strengthened my appreciation and uh, thankfulness for the gospel. Um, thankful we don't have to follow the sacrificial laws uh, that the Levites did. It's um, throughout Leviticus, and uh, Jesus came and, you know, he came and gave the ultimate sacrifice for us. Um, so uh, where do you serve in the church in addition to being an elder? Um, so I also help lead the usher team, uh, the amazing men uh, that are here on Sunday mornings. Um, <laughs> so we're always looking for people. If you're uh, looking for a good place to serve where you can still worship and, and hear the message, the usher team is an amazing uh, spot to do that. So just come, come seek me out and uh, we can talk about that. Amen. That'd be great. So, you mentioned prayer. Why don't you pray for us before we go to the Word? We'd love to. Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for this amazing day and for this place that we can gather together uh, in biblical community. Uh, Father, thank you for 
your son Jesus Christ and that he came not to be served, but to serve mm-hmm. and to give himself as a ransom for many. Um, Father, help us not to forget that truth. Father, help us to be a praying church um, and to seek you first in all things. Uh, Father, we thank you just uh, for your grace and for your mercy. Holy Spirit, we ask that you fill this place this morning. Uh, be with Pastor Dave as he speaks your truth. And it's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Alex. Thank you. Now, if you have a Bible, I'd invite you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and uh, encourage you to bring your Bible each week. And we've been walking through the book of 1 Timothy, uh, and we've been learning in the most recent weeks what it teaches us about leadership within the church. And so this morning, we're going to give our attention to verses 14 through 16. And as I read it, and you follow along in your copies of the scriptures, won't you pay attention to what God says, because listen, this is God's word to us. It's inspired and errant and fallible. It's sufficient. It's our only rule for faith and practice. I'm writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long. But in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. By common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. He who was revealed in the flesh was vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Uh, Last week, I got a chance to go down to Spanish River Church in Boca Raton. Travis Stevens, our global outreach director, and I went down to Spanish River, and we visited with some of our church planters in the Fort Lauderdale area, and then we went to Spanish River, and we spent time with some other churches that are investing in church planting throughout the U.S., and, and we met with some movement leaders of church planting movements throughout the U.S. that are working to raise up church planters, and it was so fun to be with them. Uh, After the meeting, the um, administrative assistant at Spanish River who works with church planting at Spanish River Church, she sent out an email to everyone, and it had the names and emails and cell phones of everybody who was at the meeting. And, And like many things in life, it was in alphabetical order. And so my name, of course, was first. And so it was the first thing I noticed. Now, if you don't know me well, my last name is Ackerman, and it's, admittedly, it's hard to spell. But when she spelled my name, she nailed it phonetically, but not in the way it was supposed to be spelled. She, she butchered it. And then I thought to myself, Jesus, how long How long is my flesh still going to care more about how my name is spelled than about how well you're known in the world? Holy Spirit, fall afresh on me that, that I would love nothing more than the name of Jesus being known and the name of Dave being forgotten. That it wouldn't matter to me how my name is spelled, but it matters to me how well Jesus' name is known and how well Jesus' life is reflected in me and and in the church that I get to pastor. The older I get, the more I'm convinced that I want more than anything else for Jesus to be famous in the World Golf Village, in St. John's County, throughout the state of Florida, throughout the U.S., And even to the remotest parts of the earth, what I want more than anything is for the name of Jesus to be known and worshipped. That what we do as a church matters. And what happens in the church as we lead ourselves, 
As we lead in the world and as we lead in the church, what we do matters because it helps us accomplish our purpose. And our purpose is to make disciples together. And as we accomplish our purpose, Jesus gets worshipped. That the big why behind the church is the name of Jesus would be known. And we get it wrong. I get it wrong. Uh, this, this week, I was reading the Christianity Today magazine, and in it, Timothy Dalrymple, who's the president and CEO of um, Christianity Today, he, he wrote a little opinion piece, and it resonated with the message this week as I was preparing. He says, what's the point? Uh, was the point to be a leader in the imitation of the Son of God who humbled himself unto the point of death? Or was it to be observed as a leader on a stage, admired and adored? I confess, I've developed an allergic reaction to the language of leadership. It used to be that the call to the pastorate or ministry or of any any sort was to die to oneself, to sacrifice, to suffer in obscurity, but in fellowship with God. The best leaders tend to be those who want nothing to do with it. The New Testament doesn't really talk about leadership, platform, and power. It talks about servanthood, the cross, and surrender. What we're going to learn this morning is that leaders show people Jesus. That the goal of ministry and the goal of ministers, servants, is to show people Jesus. Now I want us to learn in this passage three things. That that we show people Jesus first in community. We show people Jesus second in conduct. And third, we show people Jesus in confession. Community, conduct, confession. That's what we're going to look at this morning, and then we're going to confess our faith together, and we're going to come to the Lord's Supper. So so let's jump into it. Last week, or two weeks ago, we started our series on leadership, and we saw that the reason we're looking at leadership is because everything rises and falls with leadership, but in the church, last week, we saw that in the church, there's a different style of leadership that Jesus models for us servant leadership. Jesus models for us servant leadership. And last week, we we looked together at Mark 10, 45, that Alex quoted for us earlier as he was praying, that Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So last week, as as we walked through our week, we, we were descending to greatness you're like me, that what you experienced this week was a little bit more to, of this, that as you descend to greatness as a servant, don't you realize that you have so much left of the flesh in you and you begin to see your failures as a servant leader? I see my failures as a servant leader all the time. What does it do? It forces me to return to Jesus. And as I return to Jesus, I get fresh power and fresh grace from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit then enables me to move out with new humility to serve others in love. And and as I go out to serve others in love, and I get treated as a servant, and my flesh reacts against that, I realize my failure, which drives me to Jesus. Do you see it? The gospel is the power, it's the driving force, it's the propulsion of grace that moves us to descend to greatness, to follow Jesus in that. Now, when we go out to serve others in love, our goal as servant leaders is to show people Jesus. We show people Jesus together in community. Paul says in verse 14, I'm writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long. Paul wants to be with his good friend, his child in the faith, Timothy. 
And he wants to be with the church in Ephesus that Timothy is ministering to. Paul has a special relationship with Timothy. Verse 2 of chapter 1 says to Timothy, my true child in the faith. Paul and Timothy are, are close friends. Paul calls himself Timothy's spiritual father and Timothy his spiritual son. That tells us that for us to show others Jesus, we need one another. We need to be in a relationship with, with others in the body of Christ. We need each other to show the world what Jesus is like. We don't show Jesus in isolation alone. We show people Jesus best in community. That's what Jesus taught. In John 13, he said, By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus tells us that the world will know that we're his, that we belong to him, as we love one another. In fact, Paul's going to go on in verse 15. But in case I'm delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God. That we show people Jesus in community, we're the household of God. That means that we have a new relationship with one another, we're the family of God. What is a church? A church is so many things. It's a ministry platform. It's a, it's a force for good in the world. It, it's a group of people who advance a cause, the cause of Christ in the world. The church is many, many things. But the church is the household of God. It's a family. Which means that we show people Jesus by being a family. How's your family? You ever get mad at your siblings? Same thing happens in the church. You ever get mad at your parents? Same thing happens in the church. You ever get mad at your spouse? Same thing happens in the church. But do you know what also happens in the church? Despite all the ways that we disappoint one another, despite all the things that, that we get mad at each other about, do you, know what we, do you know what we're enabled to do by the power of the Holy Spirit? We're enabled to stay. Because you don't choose your family. You don't choose your family. And so when your family disappoints you or hurts you, you don't run out on them. You stay. And in the community, the household of the faith, when we stay, despite our hurts, despite our disappointments, when we stay, we show people that there's something radically different about Jesus. There's something radically different about the community that he creates. When we live as deeply flawed, imperfect people in the family of God, forgiving one another, bearing with one another, encouraging one another, praying for one another, caring for one another. When we do that, we demonstrate to the world that there's something worth considering about Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is worth another look to people who are burned out on religion and have been hurt by the church when the church acts like the church and loves one another despite all of our many, many flaws. We tell the watching world, take another look. Take another look at Jesus. So, Church leaders show people Jesus in community. Church leaders and the church shows people Jesus in conduct. Verse 15, in case I'm delayed, I, want, uh, I write to you so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself. 
Well, what does that mean? Does that mean we're perfect? No, I've already established the fact that we're not perfect. We're not perfect in our conduct. So how is it? How is it that we are to conduct oneself? Well, we conduct ourselves by submitting ourselves to the lordship of Jesus and asking the Holy Spirit to help us live as a follower of Christ should. That's the promise that a person makes when they join a local church. They say yes to the Holy Spirit working in their life to help them have the desire and the power to live as a follower of Christ should. Are we promising perfection when we make that promise? No. We're promising dependence. We're saying yes to a lifestyle of dependence upon the Holy Spirit, that what we sang earlier, I depend on you, becomes more and more true in our life. And when it does, the Holy Spirit gives us the desire and the power to live as a follower of Christ should. What does it mean? To conduct oneself in the household of the faith, it means to trust the Holy Spirit. It means to, to obey Christ and with a new power, the power of the gospel working in our life. It means putting to death what, what remains of our sinful nature, the flesh. It means admitting to one another how much we need Jesus and the Holy Spirit to help us it means encouraging one another and praying for one another. It means letting some people into your life who, who could see those areas of your life where, where you need the help of the Holy Spirit. Praying for you and praying with you that the Holy Spirit would, would give you fresh victory over those areas in your life. It, it, it means trusting and believing in the gospel. So leaders in the church show people Jesus in community, in conduct, and then in confession. The household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. The pillar and support of the truth. So there is something that's been entrusted to the church. It's called in this verse, the truth. That the truth of scripture, the truth of the gospel has been entrusted to the church and the church is called to be the pillar and foundation of the church, the pillar and foundation of the truth in the world. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And when the church believes the Bible is true truth and proclaims the Bible as true truth to the world and to one another, they demonstrate to the world, they show the world Jesus, Jesus who is the truth. And so in a world that is deeply divided and deeply confused, we go to the world armed with true truth, the Bible. And we say to the world, there is a standard of truth to which the Bible points. His name is Jesus. And there, is, there are many, many reasons to believe this truth, that there is reasons that I believe the Bible, and there are reasons that I believe in Jesus. And the chief of those reasons is that Jesus rose from the dead. That's the question. That's the question. Did Jesus Christ rise from the dead? If he did, then everything he teaches and everything that the Bible teaches is true. And there, I believe Jesus did rise from the dead. And so I believe that everything Jesus said and did is true truth and has the right to command my belief and my action. Now, let's, let's dig in a little bit more on what it means to show people Jesus in confession. Verse 16. 
So by common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. Now, in the Bible, a mystery is not something that's hidden in the dark and that we're going to look for. In the Bible, a mystery is something that God has revealed and that we are to treasure, that we are to value, that we are to love and appreciate. And here, Paul says that there is a great mystery, something that has been revealed that will produce what? It will produce godliness. You could translate the word godliness as piety or devotion. So when this mystery, this thing that has been revealed, comes into a human life, and, and that truth, that mystery, goes into the very center of that life, it produces a life of devotion, a life of godliness. Now, what is this mystery? This mystery of godliness. What Paul then presents is a six-line poem about Jesus. The mystery of godliness is the good news about Jesus Christ. See, religion, religion is filled with good advice. Christianity is good news about a person, Jesus Christ. Religion is spelled D-O. D-O. Do, 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 do. Whether it's the religion of Islam with its, its five pillars or it's the, it's the eightfold path of Buddhism, Religion is man's attempt to earn acceptance with God based on what they do. And Christianity, the mystery of godliness, what has been revealed in Scripture is Jesus. Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. Christianity isn't isn't what we are to do, it's what Jesus has done for us. And what has he done? Oh, let's look at this six uh, sentence or six phrase poem. He was revealed in the flesh. Jesus Christ, God the Son, who for all eternity had existed in perfect fellowship with the Father and the Spirit, God the Son, without ceasing to be God, put on our humanity, and he was revealed in the flesh. Turn over to John chapter 1, and let's see here what, what, the, what the Apostle John says of him. Verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. What has Jesus Christ done for us? He has left heaven and come to earth and clothed himself with our humanity so that he could save humanity. He didn't save us from a distance. He saved us up close by clothing himself as a humble servant in human likeness being made like us in every way except one, he was without sin. Jesus Christ lived the life that we should have lived, and then he died the death we deserve to die. On the cross, God took all of our sin and put it on Jesus, and he punished Jesus in our place. But Jesus Christ didn't stay dead. He was, according to the second phrase in this poem, he was vindicated in the Spirit. He was vindicated in the Spirit. The word for vindicated is the word justified. God demonstrated his justice. In punishing Jesus in our place, God demonstrated his justice because he couldn't wink at sin. All sin had to be punished. 
And on the cross, Jesus bore the complete punishment that our sin deserves. But Jesus Christ was vindicated, justified in the spirit, and that he rose again on the third day. You see, the wages for sin is death. The penalty for sin is death. Sin leads to death. Jesus Christ rose from the dead, never to taste death again. Which says, by the Spirit, Jesus Christ is vindicated. There is now no more sin and no more death. Everyone who's joined to Jesus Christ rose with Christ. And on the day that Christ rose... We were justified in the Spirit with Him. That means that there is no more penalty left for sin. There's no more payment that has to be required, that's required by God to justify sinners. Jesus Christ did it all. Isn't that good news? That there is nothing left for us to do because Jesus did it all. And how do I know that Jesus did it all? He rose from the dead. He was vindicated in the spirit. He was seen by angels. The first people to see Jesus Christ risen from the dead, the first beings, maybe would be a better way to say it, were angels. Matthew 28, now after the Sabbath, so Jesus died on Friday, on Saturday, the Jewish Sabbath, he, his body was in the grave. After the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Sunday, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for the fear of him and became like dead men. And the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He's not here. He's risen just as he said Come, see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So a supernatural messenger proclaims to these women that Jesus is raised from the dead. They are to go and tell his disciples, and they do. As they're going to tell his disciples, they see Jesus. The disciples eventually see Jesus. And over 40 days, Jesus proves that he was raised from the dead. And it started, it started from that first moment when the angels saw him raised from the dead and told the women, he is risen, do not be afraid. Seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations. Now the angels told Mary and, and Mary to go and tell the disciples to meet him on, on the mountain in Galilee. And when Jesus meets the disciples in Galilee at the mountain that Jesus had designated, go over Matthew 28, 18, uh, yeah, 18, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Proclaimed among the nations. Why does missions exist? 
Why do we invest 13% of all that's given to Good News Church and planting churches throughout Florida and the U.S. and around the world? Because we want the name of Jesus to be proclaimed among the nations. And why does history go on? Why does history go on? Because it's moving towards the day when every tribe and tongue and people and nation have heard of Jesus, the Messiah, and they turn and trust in Jesus. And when the gospel of the kingdom has been preached to all the nations, all the ethne, the people groups of the world, then the end will come. The end of all things to which all things were made is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And the means by which men from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation will be able to glorify God and enjoy his presence forever is the proclamation of Jesus Christ to the nations. And it starts across the street. And it extends to the ends of the earth proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world. Believed on in the world. That when the gospel is proclaimed and people see, when leaders in the church and when the church follows its leaders and showing people Jesus, when they show people Jesus, they see their sin, they see their need of a Savior, and then they see Jesus, and when they see Jesus and what he's done for them in the gospel, they turn from their sin and they believe on Jesus. Have you? Have you, have you ever turned from your sin and trusted in Christ? The end towards which we show people Jesus is so that he would not be known about, but that he would be believed upon. So that people would trust in him. We don't show people Jesus so they'd have more Bible trivia. We show people Jesus so they can behold his glory and see how utterly trustworthy and beautiful and awesome and amazing he is. And when they see how awesome and amazing he is, they believe in him. Believed on in the world. Taken up in glory. See, where is Jesus now? Where is Jesus now? He's at the right hand of the Father. And he's interceding as the king of kings. He's mediating as the king of the kingdom of God, God's chosen human king who will reign forever, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father and he's interceding, he's mediating, he's praying for you right now as we worship him. He's praying, Father, help these people to see how great I am. Help Dave. He's doing the best he can, but God, help him, help him. Help them to see me, Jesus. This same Jesus has gone up into heaven. Acts 1, verse 9. After he said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going Behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them, and they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Jesus Christ was taken up into glory. And one day, one day, that same Jesus is going to bring glory back to us. He's going to bring heaven to earth. And the glory of heaven is going to transform this broken, sin-scarred world into a glorious re residence for God and his people for all eternity. What's coming because of this statement, taken up into glory, Jesus was taken up into glory so that he could come again in glory. He came once in humility, he's coming again in glory, and when he comes again in glory, he's bringing glory with him, and he's going to make 
everything sad in this sin-scarred world glorious and will be with him and everything sad will come untrue and will become like him and will dwell with him forever. That is where things are going. Show people Jesus. If this poem about Jesus Christ is true, we've got some things to share. We've got some things to bring to show and tell in the classroom of our life. You see, the world talks about the freedom of worship. You don't have the freedom to worship. You have the freedom to live out your faith in Jesus Christ in every corner of the universe. You have the freedom of religion to show people Jesus together in your conduct and in your confession. You have the freedom to show people Jesus. And that freedom of religion is entrusted to you by God, your creator, and it's true of everyone, everywhere. You say, they don't have freedom of religion in Iran. Sure they do. They have freedom of religion. They just don't have the freedom to determine the consequences of living out their faith in Christ in the public sphere. But they have freedom of religion. It's given as a right by God the Creator to every person. We all have the freedom of religion. Because of that, we have the great privilege to show people Jesus. And what a Jesus! We show people Jesus. We show the lost Jesus. Because lost people need Jesus to be saved. When we show the lost Jesus, they see their sin and they see their Savior and they turn from sin and they trust in Christ. And the story of the gospel that's played out in these verses becomes true in their life. Because Christianity is about what Jesus has done to save his people. You see, God in his grace, he looked down upon man and he didn't say, you know what? I think if I send an inspired rabbi and he teaches them some, some good truth, then, then they'll be able to, to keep my commandments and, and they'll be able to earn on their own eternal life. No, when, when God looked down from heaven, Psalm 53, 2, God has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there's anyone who understands, who seeks after God. Every one of them has turned aside together. They have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. See, the bad news of the gospel that we show lost people, the bad news of the gospel is that none of us does good. And so religion will never work for any of us. The good news of the gospel, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ was revealed in the flesh. He lived the life we should have lived and he died the death we deserve to die. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ was vindicated in the spirit. He rose again on the third day. He was seen by angels. The good news of the gospel is that that gospel has been proclaimed. It's been proclaimed to you today. Jesus is believed on in the world. Have you believed? If you haven't, won't you? The good news, we love to say that believing in Jesus is as simple as A, B, C. That we admit that the bad news is true of us. That we believe that, that the good news can also be true of us. That, that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and he rose again for me. And then we commit, Jesus, come into my life as Savior and Lord. And help me become the person you want me to be. If you've never said that to Jesus, won't you today? Come up after the service. I would be happy to assist you. And if you have, and if you have, then now, 
you have the enormous privilege of showing Jesus to people. You see, the same gospel that that reaches people transforms people. So the lost need the gospel. The lost need to be shown Jesus so that he can be saved. But saved people need to be shown Jesus so that they can be transformed. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse uh, 18 2 Corinthians 3, 18. How is it that we become more like Jesus? How is it that we're transformed by grace? We all, with unveiled face, beholding, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. So found people, Christ follower, you need Jesus. And the great privilege of community, the great privilege of of the household of God, the church, is to show one another Jesus so that in beholding him as in a mirror, we're transformed into his likeness from glory to glory. Why do you need a church? You need a church for people to show you Jesus. You need a small group for people to show you Jesus. You need a person to come alongside you as a disciple maker to help you see Jesus. How are we transformed? We're transformed by the gospel. We're transformed by beholding Jesus. So let's show people Jesus. Let's show the lost Jesus. In five weeks, one of the greatest opportunities that God presents the church is to show people Jesus on Easter. Can I ask you, has it crossed your mind this past week that there are lost people all around us? Would you help? Listen, if it has crossed your mind in the past week, that there are lost people who live in 32092 and 32095, the, the zip codes in the World Golf Village area, if it's crossed your mind this past week that there are people around us who don't know Jesus, I would love to get together with you and pray and ask the Father to give us wisdom to know how to take responsibility for the lostness of our geography. And begin to to pray that God would give us strategies to train people and equip people to share their faith. And give us wisdom to know how to have strategies to reach lost people, to show lost people Jesus. So listen, if it's crossed your mind this past week that there are lost people in your life, put your name on a card with your phone number and leave it in one of the boxes and let's get together and pray and strategize as how we can reach them together. Listen, has it crossed your mind in the past week that you could use some help in learning to follow Jesus? Has it crossed your mind that that you could use some help in learning how to abide in Christ and learning what Jesus says about who we are and where we came from and why we're here and and where we're going and what we should do with our money. Has it crossed your mind in the last week that that you could use some help in growing towards maturity in Christ? Grab a card. Mark it on your card. I need help growing towards maturity. And if it's crossed your mind that you could be of help in showing people Jesus, and that you have realized that there's people around you who are babes in Christ who need the help of the Holy Spirit and the Bible to to grow towards maturity, and you'd like to get together and pray and strategize of how we can show people Jesus so that the the reached are transformed. Mark it on your card. Let me know. Let's get together. Let's start praying. The church is God's plan A. For showing the world Jesus Christ. Let's do it. Let's show people Jesus. Let's pray.
Jesus. We need more minutes in our service. We need more hours in our day. We need power from on high. We need your Holy Spirit. There is nothing. There's nothing that we have to offer you except our need of you. I depend on you. We all depend on you. And so, Father, Father, I pray, pour out your Holy Spirit. As we come to the table, I pray that, that you would open our eyes, that we would see and behold Jesus Christ, crucified, dead, buried, risen, taken up in glory. That we would see the lengths to which you went, Jesus, to save a people for yourself. Jesus, if there's any here that you're drawing to yourself now, that they've seen their need of a Savior, and they've seen you as the Savior, Jesus, if you're drawing them to yourself now, help them to just say to you, Jesus, I admit to you that I've sinned against you in many ways, and I'm sorry. Jesus, I believe that you died in my place as my substitute. Jesus, I believe you rose again from the dead. Come into my life as Savior and Lord and help me become the person you want me to be. Jesus, all of us, all of us have, have people in our life that we could show Jesus to this week. Help us. Help us to do it together in community, in conduct, and in our confession of the gospel, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now the worship team is up here. One of the things that we do each month is we come to the Lord's table together. Now, when we come to the Lord's table, we're professing our faith anew. So as we come to the Lord's table this morning, I'm going to ask us all to, to profess our faith and if what you're about to sing in this song is true of you, then after we've sung this song, I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite you to come forward and take the bread and the cup and then return to your seat and then we'll eat and drink together. But as we sing this song, let this song be your profession, your confession of faith. Let this song be your statement to Christ, I belong to you. Jesus, you are my Savior. Let's stand and sing.